Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting live from inside Renaissance Bank on Windward Parkway in Alpharetta. Renaissance Bank just happens to be the best bank in Georgia, as voted by Forbes magazine. Not my vote, not my, uh, but it is my opinion because I've worked with Renaissance and I know the great work that they do. And I think they have won that award in part because they are big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them small enough to do it in a personal way. So if that's what you're looking for in your banking relationship with your business, Renaissance may be a good fit for you. Go to renaissancebank.com and learn more. Check out their local offices near you and maybe make an appointment. Give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Thomas Stortaboom. Thomas is the CEO of ITE Solutions. Thomas, welcome. Hey, John. Thanks for having me today. Hey, thanks for being here. Let's talk about you and uh, I2E Solutions. I'm going to let you tell everyone what I2E uh, stands for. Uh, I2E Solutions, how are you serving folks out there? Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, so I2E Solutions stands for Ideation to Execution. Um, I really like to help people paint a, fix, uh, a vision of the future and then innovate toward it. So kind of help people grow their business through innovation or new products, new services. That's what I2E is all about, is taking an idea and helping people figure out how to execute it in a way that can help them grow their business. Um, it could be new products, new service, or new equipment or innovations or trends they're seeing in under other industries that they're just not sure how to bring to their own business. Um, but that's really what it's all about, is giving them that vision of a future and helping them get there. Awesome. Um, let's talk about your journey, your background. Uh, what, what's, uh, where have you been? What, what has led you, I guess, to this point? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, we've been in Roswell for about 10 years. I got a wife, four kids. Mm -hmm. um, we got here via Orlando, originally from Michigan. Okay. Um, I spent 10 years in the auto industry at Ford, spent another 10 years at a global uh, supply chain company called CHEP, and then a couple of years at Cox Automotive. Um, got a background in engineering and then I balanced that with an MBA. So if you kind of look at my career and my education, it's all pretty varied, um, which really gives me a nice kind of perspective holistically on, you know, looking at growth or business models. Um, I've worked in a lot of different spots in those companies. Um, so that's kind of how I've gotten here. I kind of realized over time that if I'm working at a corporate location, I can help one company innovate and move into the future. Whereas if I was doing this on my own with I2E, I could help a lot of different companies at the same time. So I kind of want to be that force multiplier to help multiple companies kind of grow and achieve the future they desire. Um, and using my background where I can look holistically at your, at your company to help you move there. Now you're, you're working with small to medium sized businesses. Typically we're going to get more into that here in a minute. Um, you bring a corporate background to that. I guess what, what, what in your corporate background is is valuable to those businesses that I mean what what what's missing for them that you bring here because of that uh, extensive corporate background? Yeah, sure. If we look at a lot of small to medium sized companies, 
Um, a lot of them don't have either a product development group or an innovation team or program managers, and that's fine. Um, I mean, it's really acceptable. That's a, that's an added expense that if you're not launching multiple products on a regular basis, you just don't need to have. Um, and so how do those companies grow? How do they introduce a new product or service? How do they figure that out without the expertise? So I've got, you know, 20 plus years of corporate experience of how you do this in a big corporate environment, but that scales. So we can take a look at, we can use those methodologies without kind of the bureaucraticness of a large corporation and scale it down to how do you look at the future in your small to medium sized company and how do you move forward? So if you want to add a new service or a new product, I can come in with that lens of how do we do this kind of not the right way, but a proven way um, that's been proven and done, you know, many times over. And I can bring that expertise to a company that doesn't necessarily have it in-house. Now, I would have thought some of these uh, small, medium-sized businesses, they've got a department like this. It's its called the seat of their pants, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And you know what? That's how a lot of these companies grew. So if we think about it, they identified a problem in the marketplace. And they saw an opportunity there to serve a customer in a certain way. And they grew a business. And, they, and a lot of them have grown really successful businesses. Sure. And they did it by the seat of their pants. You're absolutely right. I love that. Um, but what, what they're doing now is running a business full-time. Mm. And so now they've got a successful business that they want to continue to grow. And they don't necessarily have time to get back into the weeds of what could this look like or what product should I develop or what, here's my, my list of ideas. Which one should I go after? Because, you know, 110% of their time is running this successful business. Mm -hmm. So how do they carve the time out to go back to the seat of the pants to see if it'll fly? Yeah. The other great thing, I mean, just to build on that a little bit, these folks that are now running these businesses are the experts in their industry. They understand their customers better than anybody else. And they see the insights and they see the opportunities out there. But I'm get, I can tell a lot of them just can't get the time to figure out which opportunity to chase and to go forward with. Because again, they're running that successful business. So sure. that's where I can come in. Hey, let's talk about your idea. Let's, let's paint that picture and let's see if that's something they're interested in moving forward with. Um, I would think, and this is a question. Yeah. I would think that a lot of, businesses have grown off what I'm, you might call the low-hanging fruit. I mean, they see the opportunities that are uh, pretty easy to grab, pretty easy to execute, but time goes on and the complexity gets a little more advanced, right, in terms of not just the time, but the ability to execute that idea. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I mean, when you start a business, it starts pretty simply. You're serving one problem, you're solving one problem, you're serving one need. As you grow a business, it becomes more and more complex. The business itself becomes more complex. So if you want to launch a new service within your existing business, it's not just you that's affected anymore. It's all the different departments within your, your company. Um, you can't just go add a new product line and not have sales, marketing, HR, and everybody else involved. Whereas the first time, like you said, the first time you launched something, you were all of those. So you only had to talk to yourself to right. some extent. Sure. Um, so, that, I mean, that kind of adds to the complexity. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, one of the things that you talk about, Thomas, is innovating from the future. Now, I think about that phrase, and I think it's more innovating for the future. Tell me why that word difference for you. What, what does that describe about how you think about that? 
Yeah. So that, that's a great point. I really think that is important. An important way to innovate is from the future. So you need to paint a picture of where you want to go before you can get there. If you are talking to somebody and they're helping you plan for the future, but they aren't showing you what the future could look like, you have to stop and ask yourself, well, what future am I, are they planning for, for me? Mm. Um, so that's really what innovating from the future is all about is let's start with that future in mind. And then, because if we plan out from here to the future, that's just a ton of work that's not needed if we don't like the picture of what the future is going to bring us. Mm. So innovating from the future is let's start with a picture. If you don't like the picture of where, what this opportunity could look like, well, then we should paint a new picture before we do all the big busy work and legwork to get us from here to there. Right. Um, so that's really what innovating from the future is about is crafting that vision. We're going to do that together. We'll paint a full view of what it could look like. And then we're going to understand, Hey, is that something that you want to do? And, and let me give you an example of this. Please. Um, so I helped a, co- a company kind of develop a new service offering uh, for their c- clients. And one of the things we got into was that this new service offering was going to take a whole lot more labor than their existing services. And so we could sit down then and have a frank conversation. Do you want to get into this much more labor management? Do you want to add that layer and uh, another layer of people to manage and, and this much employee base uh, to your business? And they were able to have frank conversations with themselves once we painted that picture that they hadn't thought about. If they had just said, look, that's a great opportunity. We can meet that need. Let's go. Mm-hmm. They would find out when they got there that, oh, my goodness, this is taking a whole lot more labor than we had envisioned. Where this way we could talk, have that conversation before you jump in. Sure, sure. Uh, folks, we're here chatting with Thomas Stortaboom. Thomas is the CEO of his own firm, I2E I2E Solutions. So, Thomas, I'm scared. <laughs> the The future is risky. I don't really want to look out that far. So, help hold my hand, walk me through that. Uh, I mean, seriously, how do you how do you put risk into the picture? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, John. Um, risk is really an assumption. So, when we paint that picture, we're going to make a ton of assumptions. We're going to make all kinds of them together. And those assumptions really are your risks. So when we decide that we finally painted a picture that you like, we're going to look at all the assumptions that we made and we're going to identify, well, what are the biggest assumptions that are driving the outcome of that? It might be the number of people required. It might be your sales cycle. It might be the amount you could charge for the product or the service. We're going to look at what's driving the variability into that that future painting And then we're going to spend a little to learn a lot about those risks and try to minimize them. So that's where we're going to spend our time. And and that's when we start to really build the plan. The plan to get from here to that future painting is all about minimizing those risks along the way. Now, that makes sense. I am curious, though, about I, I can see how a if I've engaged you to help me and you, you're walking me through that as a CEO of my own uh, business that I own, um, I can see how that would, uh, you, you, you help in that regard, but something tells me that there are some other ways or problems that you work me through that my company has gotten to the size enough that I've got more internal challenges to innovation than just my time. I mean that my maybe I've got some 
a bureaucracy now at this point, right? And uh, what they say about bureaucracy is that sort of good ideas go to die. I think I've heard that. <laughs> talk, <laughs> I guess talk about how you how you walk through some of the challenges that don't have to do with the CEO, me, the owner, myself. Yeah, sure. Um, and that's going to depend on the size of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have some folks that are doing product development already um, or, or doing some of your innovation, we're going to take a look at kind of what's their output and what's their throughput and where kind of is their bottleneck. Um, there's a lot of times where, you know, product development likes to develop things on their own and then communication becomes a real key and a real issue within the organization. I was talking to a company just the other week um, and they're struggling to get products out the door. And as we talk through all of their challenges at the end of it, I literally just said, you know, you guys aren't talking to each other. Mm. Your biggest problem is you're not talking to each other. Um, so that's where some of that corporate experience comes in. I've seen a lot of, you know, difficulties and issues in companies mm-hmm. and they're scalable. I mean, communication is, is as big of an issue in a small company as it is in a multi-billion dollar company. Mm. People just don't talk. And so that's kind of where I can come in. You know, we can also look at how are you doing, um, how are you evaluating your ideas? What kind of prototype are you doing? How are you bringing things to market? What's your process look like? How are you engaging your customers? So some of those kind of things that aren't necessarily related to the CEO, yeah. but, but you might not be getting you know, good feedback into the project if you're not doing some of these things well. Got it. Um, so Thomas, one of the things that uh, we were talking offline about was spending a little to learn a lot. Get, tell uh, listeners a little bit about what you mean by that. Yeah. So if we go back to the painting of the picture and de- developing the plan to get there, spending a little to learn a lot is a philosophy I'm going to bake into the plan to get you there. Um, a lot of people say, Hey, I got a new idea. I got a new product. Let's go launch it. The problem with launching and saying you're going to launch something is you've just committed and you've committed to something that's a long way off that you're not quite sure. And there's a lot of risks and assumptions associated with it. Mm. Um, but if you quit something that you've committed to, like we're launching this product, you're now, it's now seen as a failure. People talk a lot about innovation, innovation failures. Mm-hmm. If you commit to a launch and you don't do it, it's, I don't care what you say. It's going to feel like a failure because you committed to launch. So spending a little to learn a lot is more about learning versus launching. So we're going to spend a little bit of time and money. So the two, you know, critical resources you have, that's where we're going to spend a little to learn as much as we can about the risks and the assumptions so that we minimize kind of our risk as we move forward. But here's the other, here's the other cool thing about that. If we're in a learning mode and we're doing things to learn more about our risks, assumptions in the future business model, um, we can stop when we learn something we don't like. Mm. Hey, we learned something we didn't like. We, we shouldn't do this anymore, or we should adjust the picture we're trying to paint in the future, the, the model that we're trying to build. Um, so it, it's, it, it puts a different mindset into the team. It's a lot of the same activities, but your focus is on investing just a little bit of time and, and money to try to minimize assumptions along the way. Does, does that make sense, Sean? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And, and I mean, what you're, I guess what you're saying, I think what you're saying correct me if I'm wrong, um, is that you can make big innovations incrementally. You don't have to have a um, full-scale, um, ready-set-charge campaign uh, to create innovation, that you can do that incrementally over time. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. In fact, I mean, some of the best innovations are incremental innovations um, and pivoting and slowly churning and, and working your way toward a big disruptive one takes a lot of that risk out. And again, it gives you that point as a small to medium size or even a, a larger company, it gives you a, a place to stop and reassess. Are you headed in the right direction? If I say I'm going to launch, if I'm going to say I'm going to launch this product or this service, I've picked the destination and, and there's only one way to go. Right. It's right. there. Yeah. If we're learning along the way, we can adjust and adapt. And as we learn what the customer wants and we test with the customer, hey, that might not be quite what we want. We should go this way instead. It, it provides a lot of flexibility to the path. Well, yeah, and, and the psychological piece of that is really important, right? I mean, when, once you've mentally committed to something, it's hard to mentally pull back, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and people invest millions in bad ideas because they don't have a way to pull the parachute. Right. Or to adjust where they're shooting at. Sure, sure. Give, give us – doesn't have to be a company you've worked with. I'm mean, just maybe a, a situation that a lot of people would know, big, bigger company um, that you can think of in in business history where those that incremental approach led to a big innovation. Anything come to mind that that folk you can use as an example for our listeners to, to uh, wrap their heads around. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm going to pull a bad example out, okay. but, but we'll, we'll go with it. Okay. Um, I mean, if you think about Netflix and all the streaming services today, mm. okay, um, you could trace their roots back to Blockbuster. I mean, I, I, think, yeah. you, I think you can. Right. right? And so right. if you look at that, that fundamental step, mm-hmm. the incremental innovation between Blockbuster and Netflix was to use the mail, was right. to... to you know, allow people to be lazy and stay at home. Right. And that was the first step. Um, and then the next step was, as the technology came along, was to digitize all of it. Mm-hmm. And that was, again, was another fundamental shift. And that has allowed a whole lot more companies to get into the game. I mean, how many companies were doing mail order DVDs? I think one, maybe there was somebody else in the early days, but I can't even remember their name. Yeah. Um, but it was Netflix. But there, there was there's not a lot of companies getting into that game. Right. The digital technology came along and allowed more companies to come in. But that's a, just a two-step shift from Blockbuster to where we are today. And it was truly, I mean, I think they were both disruptive, both <laughs> the, the mail order and the going to digital. The all sure, digital. sure. I like that example. That's a good one. That's <laughs> a good one. Yeah. Just pull it out of the Yeah. Air, so. Well, that's, a, and, and I, again, I put you on the spot. And, You're fine. But, but thank you for that because I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Thomas Stortaboom is with us, folks, uh, CEO of I2E Solutions. So um, talk about, Thomas, what um, – this may seem like an obvious question, but but sometimes obvious questions don't have obvious answers. How do I know I need you? If I'm a, I'm a CEO, I own my own company, uh, or I uh, – what have you, the ownership doesn't matter. If I've got a medium-sized company, what? how do I know that I need to hire you? What are the symptoms, I guess, in my business that I need to look for? Sure. I, I would say the first one is you want to grow and you're not sure how to do it. Mm. Or you have an idea and you're not sure who, who can answer it. Um, you know, you're thinking, what if, or I see something somewhere else, does that apply to my business? Can I grow in this area? Could I add that service? Those are the people I like to talk to. Mm-hmm. As we get into bigger corporations or bigger businesses and you have a product development team, 
you're frustrated with your product development group or the pace of your innovation, then we should talk. Um, so it's kind of those, those folks that are, are look, have those questions about what if, what if I did this, could I do this, but don't know where to get an answer or those companies that are just frustrated with how things are going today and they want to change and they want to be better and move faster. You went somewhere where I was going to go, which are those companies that already have that innovation product development team. Uh, talk about how you work uh, with uh, those teams. It sounds like based on our off-air conversation, you, you're really additive. You're not threatening anybody's job. You're kind of folding in with them to kind of help them jumpstart the work they're doing. Absolutely. I'm not there in a bigger corporation. I'm not there to replace anybody's job. Right. You're hundred percent accurate on that. I'm there to make their job better and to make them better at their job. Um, so there's a lot of companies as you get bigger that are frustrated with, you know, way their product development innovation is going. Um, let me give you a tip. I'll do a quick sidebar. Sure. If your engineering group is running your product development organization, I can probably guarantee that you have problems. Engineers like to go into the closet, develop a new product and come out and show it to the world. And the rest of your company's like, well, has no buy-in. They don't know where it came from and they just reject it right away. Or it takes them a long time to get up to speed and to be comfortable with that idea. So that's where I can help is kind of looking, hey, what's your process? Who's leading product development? Who's leading innovation? Mm. Let's fix some of those bottlenecks and those communication issues mm -hmm. and get everybody on the same playbook and you're going to move faster and better. Um, the other thing I can do with those kind of companies is we can take a look at your innovation process. Are you getting the right ideas? Are they strategically aligned? Do you have a pipeline that you're building and a way to uh, prioritize the ideas in the pipeline? Um, I had the opportunity, you know, at one company to, to establish the whole innovation program for the Americas. Um, we really worked on getting the ideas out of the business, evaluating those ideas and then bringing them to life. And we filled the pipeline with a couple hundred million dollars in ideas, you know, got change the culture in terms of who was submitting ideas because the ideas really should come from everybody. They shouldn't just come from your product development or innovation group. They should be coming from your whole company and your customers. Sure. And, and, and what you're talking about is having a process for curating those ideas, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Curating, capturing them, evaluating them, and then moving them, then getting into that spending a little to learn a lot to decide whether or not that idea is worth pursuing. Sure. Sure. So, um, what else? What else do you do that uh, we need to talk about in terms of uh, how you help the, the your your uh, customers? Yeah. So a couple other things I do um, that that I love to do that I've done at corporate as I do innovation training. So I do training around how to have an open mindset, how to work together collaboratively collaboratively as a team. Mm -hmm. um, just some of it's even just how do I talk to you so that I don't shoot down your idea. Um, so I have a conversation around that with a lot of folks. So innovation training is one, um, also do brainstorming facilitation. So you've got a challenge. Let's get a group of your folks together. I have a process. I'm not the idea expert in your industry. You are, we've talked about that before, Sure. but I have a process where we can get the ideas out of you and your team. Um, and I can help you with that. Um, and then I can do R and D on new concepts, new trends, new equipment that you might want to, you know, apply and pull into your business. Um, yeah. So I, I'll give you an example on the brainstorming. I mean, mm -hmm. I've never, yeah. I've never worked in HR. Um, you know, recently I helped a team try to fix their hiring process. So they were, it was actually an operations group really struggling with how do they hire folks? Um, 
and just had the opportunity to, to dig in with them and look at how they were hiring people and how could they do it better and what ideas did they have that they could implement uh, with their team to make the onboarding better for new employees. So it's a great session. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not an HR expert, but they are the experts in what they do. And so we just help them get the ideas out of the team. Um, yeah, that is, that's, uh, awesome work. Um, well, Thomas, as we, uh, kind of get down to the end, wrap up, I would love it if you would share a success story and it, it, uh, may not be appropriate to talk about, uh, your current practice. Uh, it may be appropriate to talk about your corporate, uh, uh, history, where that is history and you're not in your current practice talking about current clients. Talk about uh, a success story maybe that uh, really illustrates the great work you do. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I've had one recently that I'll share. So small to medium sized business uh, struggling with some overseas supply chain issues, um, really looking at how do we, you know, bring some of what we're, we're buying overseas in house Uh, So took a look at using 3D printing in a new and innovative way. I won't get into the details because sometimes you can't talk about the future until it becomes a reality, but really helped this client look at and could they 3D print the product that they're currently buying from overseas, gave them a couple paths of how they could execute this, two different options, one a little bit more scalable, one a little bit more all in, um, put together the process, the process flow, here's the cost it's going to take to run this business, here's the impact on the rest of your business. Here's your profits we think we would see. Um, and really could give them a, a full end-to-end picture of, of what the opportunity is here um, and just made them knowledgeable and made them confident, again, feeling comfortable taking a step forward um, to making a big change in their business. Terrific. Thomas Stortaboom is with us, folks, um, CEO of I2E Solutions. Uh, Thomas, this has been great. Wow. Lots of great info. And I can't imagine there are some folks that want to be in touch after listening to what you've had to say today. So let's give them some uh, coordinates. How, how can they be in touch with you? Yeah, great. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn. There are not a lot of Thomas Stortabooms in, in the U.S. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> um, you can learn more about us at www.i2e.solutions uh, or you can email me directly at thomas at i2e.solutions. Uh, be happy to chat. Always looking to just, you know, if you want to just talk about what the future could be, just let me know. Terrific. Thomas Stortaboom, folks. Thomas, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for the great work you do and how you're helping businesses out there. John, I've, I've had a great time today. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, folks, just a, a quick reminder. If you've got some, uh, maybe you've got some re-engineering you need to do with your team and you want to do that in a unique and fun way, I've got a suggestion. Go to asculinaryconcepts.com. That's right. ANS Culinary Concepts. They're an award-winning culinary studio. They do big green egg boot camps. And yes, they do great corporate team building activities. Who knew that standing around a table with your team, seasoning meat and cutting up vegetables would be a great way to, to uh, do some team building? But it is. Uh, Andrew Traub, and, and, uh, who's the executive chef there, owner at ANS Culinary, and his team, they do awesome work. And they're uh, right in Jones, uh, Johns Creek, easy to find. Uh, my suggestion is go to their website, asculinaryconcepts.com, or give Andrew a call at 678-336-9196 and learn more. And I think you'll be glad you did. 
And folks, just a quick reminder as we wrap up here, North Fulton Business Radio is the search term. If you would like to subscribe to the show, and I know you would like to subscribe to the show, wouldn't you, if you haven't already done so, um, that helps us help our guest. And that's really the key. It's not about us, us, uh, Business Radio X or me. It's about our great guest, the reason we do this show. Uh, like Thomas and the other some 700 or more guests we've had on this show over the last almost six years. So if you could uh, subscribe and share the show with others, share the um, great work that uh, these great entrepreneurs do, we would appreciate that. So for my guest, Thomas Stortaboom, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.